and let Mac.com supporting the New Zealand Mac community. Well, welcome to podcast episode 20 from nzmac.com, a podcast that's been a long time in the making, and I'll mention a little bit about that in the moment. And in fact, it's our first podcast for a year and a half, believe it or not, on the nzmac.com site. Far too long between podcasts. And this is the first of what I hope will be um, an occasional series, for want of a better term, uh, with an opportunity of some of the users of nzmac.com to get together and have a, back, a chat about all things Apple and all things Macintosh. I've got a peop, couple of people on Skype with me, and in, in I'll introduce in a moment. Um, I have to apologise to them as well. I, I mentioned this has been a long time in the making. We originally intended to do this podcast way back in May, believe it or not, but I cancelled on these guys a couple of times, but uh, we got there in the end. So first of all, hello to David in Dunedin. How are you doing there, Phil? Afternoon. How's the weather down there in Dunedin? Pretty good? It, it is a bit windy. Uh, in fact, I'm watching the trees kind of blowing around a bit, and my wife and young daughter just wandered off to the Santa Claus Parade, which is being held downtown on George Street this afternoon. So. Oh, okay. Oh, it should be nice. <laughs> it's lovely and hot here, but I've had to close all the windows to block out all the sounds, so <laughs> it might get a bit too hot. And Nick joining us from Christchurch. Hey, Nick, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Good, thanks. Now, um, David goes by the name of David NZ in the discussion forum, and Nick you would know from uh, the Nick and Jane Show, a podcast that went for a few years and that was quite famous worldwide, really, wasn't it, Nick? Oh, yeah, it wasn't. It was got a few viewers. <laughs> you ever going to have a reunion podcast at all? Uh, I was actually talking to Jane about that uh, sometime through this year, and she's actually quite keen to do that, so um, there might be something in the making. We'll see. Cool. Okay, I'm going to hand back to David, who's going to tell us a little bit about his background and about his Mac experience. Right, thanks, Phil. Um, well, I guess I started out on a Mac. Uh, I was trying to remember the years. I guess I'm getting older, so I think it tells you how long it's been. I started out with a PowerBook 165, and I bought that used, so I'm not as old as the machine itself. But And then I went to an LC2, I believe, uh, and then a 2CI. And this is all in, in Canada, where I'm from. And when I became a consultant working in downtown Toronto, I was forced, uh, not unwittingly, but I was forced to use the Windows environment. And I did so for about 10 years. And in 2006, when I saw, when I saw Vista coming on the horizon and read some of the earlier kind of conjecture about it, I decided, you know, I think it might be time to move back into the Mac environment. So I, um, I got a MacBook, uh, black MacBook, 2.2 uh, gigahertz, I think it was, and had two gigs of RAM in it. And I used that, and just recently, in fact, this week, not even a week ago, picked up a new MacBook Pro, one of the 2.53 gigahertz, I believe, with uh, four gigabytes of RAM in it, and uh, and I'm really enjoying that. What do you find? I, I, I happened to be in Noel Leeming the other day, and I thought oh, I'll have a play. What do you think about this whole issue with the uh, trackpad? Well, I tell you, I I played around when they first came out. I first was able to get my hands on one here in Dunedin in the shop. I, you know, clicked around with it a bit, and I thought, boy, that's really loud. And I had read some reviews online, which kind of said the exact same thing. And I thought, well, there's just there's no way. I mean, and the other thought, of course, is that could I live without a button? And at the end of the day, I never really did use on the on the BlackBook. I never really did use the button too much anyway. I just used touch to to, to click. And um, so I haven't really had too much of an issue now that I've got this new MacBook Pro. I haven't I haven't really worried about it too much. The the trackpad itself is exceptionally smooth. And at first I didn't like that. I actually preferred the old kind of more coarser feel of the black MacBook. 
But now I've gotten quite used to it. But that said, I don't really use the trackpad that much. I use an external mouse. So it uh, hasn't been too much of an issue. But overall, I'd have to say it's not as big of a, an issue as I would have thought it would have been. And so you don't do the hand gestures that they, they demonstrated on the trackpad that much? That's right. I tried, I tried it a few times. I mean, it's, it's, quite, it, it's quite neat for about five or ten seconds, and then you think, well, if you're using a, an external mouse all the time, you're not going to get much use out of it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's gimmicky. Yeah, exactly my thought. I had a quick play at Noel Leeming, and they had a photo up, so I was able to spin it around, and I thought, that's really cool, but I would never, ever want to do that. <laughs> that's right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the sort of person that would tend to, you know, if I'm using iPhoto or something, I'll just make sure there's a rotate button uh, visibly uh, accessible so I can just click on it. Well, that's exactly right. And, I mean, it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a few gimmicks in that regard on this. I mean, I've, I've had – I watched very carefully about some of the problems that people were having when the first batches were, were coming out. And, um, and they, I think if it was one of the other podcasts I was listening to, they always say, never buy the first 100,000 units. And you know, wait, wait till revision B. Well, revision B is probably 2009. Let's face it. But at the end of the day, I bought this one, and I was, you know, a bit nervous about it. Um, the, the the casing is fine; it sits flat. I've hooked it up to an external display a few times, and I've actually noticed a few glitches with that. Every once in a while, when kind of not waking it up, but after a period of long use, the monitor turns off. But when kind of reactivating it and getting it back going again, I see snow, and then then the video driver clicks in, and I. And then I see everything. And I've seen it flicker once. This is on the external display. I've seen it flicker just once. And that was, uh, that was this morning. Um, I have seen, you, you'll, you might see on some of the online forums, people are talking about uh, a bit of flickering and waviness when actually you know, browsing the web. And I have seen that as well, particularly in Firefox. Um, it's nothing serious, but it leads me to believe or maybe even agree with some of those who have been talking about this online, that it's a video card issue, a driver issue. There was something as well about uh, don't take the battery out. Um, they, they were recommending that even if you've got it uh, plugged into the uh, power, to, to always leave the battery in. Yeah, yeah, I did see, I did see something like that. That is, that is quite interesting. And it, uh, it, it's actually a overall though, it's a phenomenal machine. It's quiet. I have yet to hear the fans spin up. In fact, if you told me there weren't any fans in this machine, I would have no reason not to believe you. It, is, it, it runs very cool. It's exceptionally quiet, um, and it's amazingly fast. Uh, I showed it to one of the IT guys at work, and he said he's never seen a laptop uh, operate as quickly as this one did, and this was on wireless and just browsing international websites. It's just absolutely incredible. And the screen? What do you think of the screen? I quite like it. I had a... Um, I had a glossy screen anyway with the MacBook, so I was used to it. Now, this is definitely more um, reflective. Is that the right word? Mm -hmm. It is definitely more reflective, but it's not to the point where it's uh, distracting if you're in a room where the light source isn't directly behind you. And right now, the light source is to my, to my right, and I don't notice any reflection whatsoever on it. Nick, what do you think of the, uh, the, the glossy screens on the, the iMacs and the new laptops? Uh, well, I'm a TV student in Christchurch, so um, in our course we use um, the brand new IMAX that we just got more in this year. And to, to be honest, I got quite used to them really quickly. I think it makes the image look a lot. I don't know it just looks a lot more defined when it's around that um, with that screen. I, I, something about it because I like come home and use my uh, MacBook Pro, and it just it doesn't have the same effect. I don't think. Would you be in the, the environment that you're sitting in editing though? You'd be in a fairly darkened room though, wouldn't you? Or? 
Uh, yeah, we usually are in quite a dark room, but I have actually taken it around to some brighter places. It can sometimes be, um, you know, it does depend on the situation, but um, editing-wise, it's really good. And I do enjoy it when I'm editing. Mm. So you've mentioned mm. your editing. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your background, Nick? Okay. Um, well, yeah, as I said, I'm working. Um, I'm at the New Zealand Broadcasting School. I'm a TV student there. Um, I've been on a Mac since, oh, this makes me sound very young, but since I was 13 in 2003. <laughs> so um, I started off with an iBook and um, started off, um, that was pretty much the driving force behind uh, the Nick and Jane show. That was our um, podcast we made back then. And um, on the um, iBook, I started off making a lot of movie projects and started working on that, and that kind of sparked my interest towards TV and film. So um, maybe in 2005, we uh, upgraded to an iMac G5 just um, for around the house to use as well as the iBook. I think it kind of um, the iBook maybe died in about 2000 and started 2007, so I had to, um, I went a wee while without it, and I upgraded to my MacBook Pro the end of last year, and um, I've been using it happily ever since. Um, to do all my studies, and I've been using it with things like After Effects and uh, Final Cut Pro, um, Soundtrack, all those kind of professional apps, and it works really, really well. So I'm quite liking it. So they're, they're the pieces of software that you use uh, for your studies? Yeah, generally at the moment I'm um, sticking with my two main pro um applications of Final Cut Pro and After Effects. I'm, right now I'm studying uh, post-production and next year as I move into more of the television kind of based things I'll be focusing more on the um, audio applications as well as uh, Final Cut. Do you also use things like Avids and stuff like that or is that later on? Um, we were we were experience, um, experimenting through Avid throughout the year but I, I must say I kind of I enjoy using Final Cut a lot more. Avid's very uh, clunky. <laughs> <laughs> and have you... It doesn't have, have you used iMovie recently? Oh, um, <laughs> I, 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 I've been an iMovie fan since the beginning. Don't get me wrong, I love iMovie, but as soon as that new iMovie came out, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, I can get that they want to kind of have like a video library sort of concept going on, but they, they just kind of threw iMovie out the window and just just bought this new thing in, which kind of reminds me of Windows uh, Movie Maker. I just, yeah, I could not understand the concept of it. It was terrible. <laughs> No, uh, Darren, a.k.a. Loaded Wookie, was meant to be joining us, but sends his apologies, and he, he seems to be a fan of the new iMovie, but I'm still sticking with iMovie HD. I haven't used the new iMovie at all. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, to, I can I've understand tried, that. Yeah, I've tried the new one, and I've done a few videos, and just actually, but it's, I agree with you, Nick. It's just, it doesn't make me really want to use it that much. Yeah, the only reason I do use it is because I have a camcorder and it's just a DVD handycam and it's really the only way I can get my footage onto the Mac is if I import it through iMovie then chuck it into my... It was actually the only reason I upgraded to using Final Cut because I couldn't just... couldn't sit there and use this. I mean, it dropped all my effects, it's dropped half the transitions, it's just they kind of cut the legs off it. <laughs> Talking about cutting the legs off, do you think they're killing Firewire, Nick? I I don't know. It's just it seems like an odd thing for them to do to get rid of FireWire. It's always been such a handy thing. Like I can I remember back when I was using FireWire for my iPod, you know, and then they kind of dropped it off there and I was like, all right, that makes sense. If they're going to be using PCs, they'll just want to try and stick with just USB. But when they're taking it away completely for um, DV footage, I just it just seems really strange. Mm. David, you've got FireWire on your model that you bought, haven't you? Yeah, I I ran into an interesting problem. I mean, I understand what they're doing from from a marketing and from a business perspective. I mean, removing FireWire from the MacBook line is just a way of differentiating the two product lines because otherwise there's really very little to differentiate the Pro and the and the, the non-Pro MacBook. But I I brought the uh, I brought the MacBook Pro home and then I decided right, well, I'll just use SuperDuper and, you know, 
copy everything over. And then I realized, well, one's got FireWire 800 and not FireWire 400, and the other one just has FireWire 400. So how the heck am I going to m- migrate everything across? And that was about the only time I actually cursed Apple. <laughs> mm. I noticed I saw on the web something about the specs for USB uh, 3.0, I think it is, and that supposedly the speeds are going to be phenomenal, but they're not going to come to a uh, laptop or Mac very quickly, I don't think. No, probably not. Yeah. No, it seems like a very high-end thing to have at the moment. Yeah. Nick, you mentioned iPods, so I have to ask you from the little wee bio you sent through to me, have you really been through 12 iPods? I've been, I've been through 12 iPods. <laughs> it, seems weird. it seems weird since I got my first iPod in 2004, but I, in four years I've had 12 iPods. Um, I think I've found my one that I'm settling with at the moment, but I, I think I'll start off with, um, I started off with the, I, think, I can't remember what generation it was, but it was the um, black and white Apple click wheel. It was the, um, just that it had no buttons around it or buttons on top. It was all built in the first time. Um, I got that and I, I, the first time I got it, I actually, on Christmas day, I actually dropped it down the stairs and that was terrible. That was, that was I, number one gone. <laughs> yeah, that was that was gone. And then um, th- for some reason, I managed to get it replaced in warranty. I don't know how I did it, but oh. um, I got it replaced. And um, for some reason with that model, I had a couple of problems. It was t- I went through another couple of those, but then I decided to um, upgrade to a video iPod. I um, had that one for a wee while. I must be very clumsy with my iPods because I left it at the gym. That was gone. And then I got another one replaced with insurance. <laughs> so that was... Um, that was my new 80 gigabyte black iPod, which was video. And then I kind of um, um, decided for some reason I wanted something smaller. So I got a, um, I'd been through a couple of nanos. I remember winning one in a competition. Um, I've been through a few shuffles as well and um, a couple other ones. I can't remember what else what they were. But um, right now I'm stuck on my um, – I got my iPod and there's just nothing beats it. It's just the – best thing to play your um, videos and your um, audio and your podcast and stuff off. And I have a, I also have a little blue one gig shuffle just for running and stuff. I got a bit of a cutout then. I think you said your, your iPhone that you're on now. Yeah. Yeah. My iPhone 3G. I love it. Yep. Wow. Okay. You were one of the first you waited in line overnight, didn't you? Yeah. We waited down at, um, what was it for maybe 10 hours in um, Dunedin outside Mac. Yep. It was quite a wait. <laughs> So you, what, you're, you're, on a pla- you're on a plan then, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I did. I, I went straight to a plan. Um, usually, I, if I, I was thinking about going on prepaid, like just just buying the phone. But I, I was already on a plan with Vodafone. I do like being on a plan, having those extra minutes and stuff. Yeah, and um, you, you're quite happy uh, paying. I mean, you'll be paying quite a bit by the end of it, really, won't you? Oh, you will, but really, when you're paying something like this, you don't think about how much it is. Then you're just thinking, like, right, I'm going to put ten bucks in for this week, twenty bucks in for this week, you know. But I'm paying eighty bucks a month, so I'm just getting a twenty dollars automatically taken out of my account. So I'm just not really thinking about it. But it's just, it's the two hundred and fifty megabytes. It is, does take a lot to get rid of it. Like I'm, I'm a total social networking junkie, and I'm on my phone constantly on everything from like Facebook, Twitter, IMing, and it just, I can't get rid of that two hundred and fifty megabytes. And have you tried any of the um, applications you can install to do things like Skype or wireless telephone calls? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've tried um, – I tried – what's it called? Fring? Yep. I think it's called Fring. Yeah, I, I, I like it, but I don't – It's I, I'm, I'm really all about the interface, and I don't really like the, the way it feels. Right now, I'm for IMing, I'm stuck on something called Beehive. It's it's I think it was $20 in the App Store, but it is, it's the great – it's just the best IM product on um, on the App Store so far. I really like it. And David, are you an iPhone owner at all? No, I'm not actually. And the, the day it came out, I saw the plans from Vodafone and decided n- no. Uh, 
thought. <laughs> and, and went out and I bought a Sony Ericsson 640i and an iPod Touch at Magnum Mac, a 32 gig. And Nick, right. I was going to ask you, what, what plan are you on? Is it $80? And what does that give you? Um, it gives me, I think it's 120 minutes, or is it 200 minutes? Um, sorry, I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, 600 TXC network, um, your 250 megabytes of data. Hmm. I might have to yeah. think about that because I think that's cheaper than what they initially had. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's actually it's it's a really good plan. I actually quite like it. When I first – I was actually at work the day that I saw the, um, the prices. I like loaded up and, of course, it took me a good hour to get onto the website because, you know, I keep crashing because the gig zone – um, viewers kind of knocked it off because we're all on the forum trying to get on at the same time. But um, yeah, when I saw it, I, I nearly cried like to see the price of how much it was going to cost. It was it was ter- It was painful. Like as soon as you find out it's coming to New Zealand, and then it's like, oh, it's going to be ninety nine dollars. It's like if you want it to be ninety nine dollars, you got to pay two hundred and fifty dollars a month. That's like that's just a yeah. Well, that's why I did it. I mean, I my I bought the touch as a statement, and I, just because yeah. it's, I refused to give uh, Vodafone that kind of money at the time. I mean, maybe I should relook at it. And uh, I'm on a pre well, was it pay as you go or whatever it's called? Yeah. And that works fine for me because I just use the yeah. the points that I get for from spending on my credit card to buy Vodafone time. And well, it was I don't in- think I, yeah. Mm. It, sorry, it was interesting that they cut the two hundred and fifty dollar plan fairly quickly. Um, the minimum plan <laughs> minimum plan now I think is forty dollars. A month and and I'm on prepay and so what I've done is I went out and paid the full price which I think was about eleven hundred dollars uh, and then I've I'm using the wrong term but unlocked it so that I'm using it on prepay but I, I followed all the discussions on the different sites about how to do this and then I, I kept checking my prepay balance and it kept going down by a dollar a day and I thought well this is really odd because oh. it's, it's not meant to do this. And in fact, what I had done, I disabled data on the 3G side, but it was pulling data by the standard... Oh, uh, uh, the edge. Yeah, yeah. And so what happened was that I basically had to remove all references to Vodafone um, so that now I get an error that pops up um, if I am out and trying these things. But um, as I said on my NZ iPhone site, I'm around a wireless network probably 95% of my time. Um, so I just use it on wireless, and I haven't had any problems there. Yeah, I'm quite often around wireless. The only problem is, like, the building, I'm living in student accommodation this year, and the problem is they use um, PPPoE, mm-hmm. so the iPhone doesn't support that, so I, the only way I can actually get onto the in, um, internet, I have the same problem with my Nintendo Wii, I have to, um, I had to actually buy my own little wireless router, feed, and you plug it into my laptop through an Ethernet port, and then actually take it out of my laptop, put it through the router, and then put it into my phone. And it's just a whole <laughs> lot of hassle. So I'm just like, right, I'm just going to keep using my laptop when I'm at home, use my iPhone as much as I need to. And, you know, it's, it seems to work okay. But when I'm at home, I do tend to just sound the wireless. I have to say, I don't use my touch very much, and I'm starting to kind of regret the purchase, to be honest, because I, I find that um, it's the first generation touch, so to actually uh, adjust the volume, you have to kind of you know pull it out of your pocket, look at the screen, unlock it, and then move the, move the yeah, slider yeah. down. But what I've, so what I've done is that to listen to podcasts, I've actually gone back to my old second generation, I think it is Nano, where I can, I can adjust the volume without just, you know, just kind of sticking my hand in my pants and kind of doing it, or my jacket. And, um, but I don't even use the, the touch for music anymore because I'm not really impressed with the sound quality. And um, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I should just give it to my wife for Christmas. Do you think, I'd, think that would work? <laughs> <laughs> I think there seems to be such a difference between the iPhone and the iPod Touch. It seems like it's just like, right, it's just got phone capabilities. But it's like, 
you can, I don't know, it just seems to be a whole lot more handy to have that um, that access to the um, internet wherever you are. Like, I mean, iPod Touch has got mail, that's handy, but it's like if you can walk outside of your house, like maybe 10 metres away from your wireless range and still be able to get your email, that is that is quite useful to yeah, have. Yeah, I was, I've I think, opened I think, a um, Spates Ale house down the road for me and I, I went there and I was showing someone my iPhone and I... I picked up that they had a wireless network running and it said it was locked. But then the next thing I knew, suddenly I was able to get access. So I was able to sit at the pub for the <laughs> afternoon and check my email and surf the web, thanks to Spades. That's really good. <laughs> Nick, do you, use, um, do you use Remote, the application called Remote? Um, I, I used to use it quite a lot. It's actually quite good if you hook your um, speakers up. Um, we have this big courtyard out the back of my um, building, and I'm on the bottom floor. So what I do is I've, I've got this Logitech um, surround sound system, which I picked up at Dick Smith for like 80 bucks. I just turn that on full, go out into the courtyard, use the wireless out there, because you can't connect to the internet with the wireless because of the PPPoE, but you can use it to access your own laptop. So it's quite good to sit in the courtyard and just have the music really, really loud and good for parties, and it's good for sitting out in summer. So it's quite yeah. good. I, it's really well made. I use um, I've got an Airport Express that I bought uh, six seven months ago, and for the oh, yeah. express purpose of just kind of hooking it up to uh, to the hi-fi, and then uh, obviously using what remote does is it controls iTunes, you know, obviously through yeah, uh, yeah. through your through your through your iPod Touch or your iPhone, and yeah, I think that's actually quite slick. That's quite good. You don't have to get yeah. off the couch. <laughs> mm, that's good. There's a good little wee uh, application you can download a, a Wi-Fi finder for the um, iPhone and, and iPod Touch. And even the other day I got home and I thought, well, I'll just stand outside and try it. And I picked up uh, two or three networks around my flat, which really amazed me. So, wow. Oh, wow. And and one That's was really... unlocked, so I could actually go out there and surf on behalf of on someone else's <laughs> network. That's generous of them. Yeah. <laughs> The one sm- small glitch is that my wireless network here at home, I actually used to didn't. I, I had uh, broadcasting disabled. In other words, my laptop would find it, but no one else could. But for right. some reason, the iPhone doesn't seem to like that. It, it wants you to be broadcasting, so you have to bring in all these security features, or otherwise, someone else is going to be using your wireless network. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, what are you running for your Mac at home? What have you got? Uh, I've got a um, Intel iMac, which I purchased. Oh. Um, earlier this year, from memory. All oh, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, the big screen. What is it? Twenty-four inch. Oh Jeez, wow! Jeez, that's a lot of real estate. Yeah. Holy yeah. Oh, I love it. It's just such a beautiful screen. I love it. <laughs> I have a friend of mine in Sydney who has who's got. I think he bought it around the same time as you, Phil. And then just two weeks ago, bought a twenty-four inch Dell. Um, and he's and he showed me a picture of them side by side. It's just absolutely. He's a photographer and. Um, and it's just absolutely incredible how much real estate he's got now on his desk. It, mm. it just kind of reminded me the first time I sat in front of it. I think it's a poltergeist. Uh, the first movie, there was a little picture of a, a little kid with his hand up on a big TV. And that's how I – it's kind of how I felt. Because I, I, kind I, remember. Of have, to, I have to look – I sit quite close to it. So I kind of have to look left and right to look off, off to the edge of the screen. Jeez, it's, that's too big for me. I, when I got a 19-inch external monitor from my 13-inch black MacBook, I thought the 19-inch was too big. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, when I got the 15-inch MacBook Pro, I thought, am I really going to enjoy working on a 15-inch screen you know, day and night? And I thought, it's actually not too bad, but I don't like big screens at all. It's great I've, for things like video editing, though, isn't it, Nick? Oh, it's amazing. I, um, I got a saved up a wee while ago for um, LCD TV, a 32-inch, just because I needed something to... 
that is small in a kind of a student area. You can't have just like a big clunky TV in there because it will take up half the room. So um, I got a yeah little LCD screen and I plugged it in with um, HDMI port and it's just it's amazing how big the screens are. But it's so handy just to be able to have all that space to work on. So I've got like a 15 inch down um, to my uh, to my side and then up in front of me a giant 32 inch LCD TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it is actually you look at it it's like it's towering over you but it's like wow this is this is a really a whole lot of video editing space <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions i i posed to you guys that we'd be talking about is uh the year in review what we thought the highlight of the year for apple has been and and, and what your greatest disappointment was so i'm going to start with you nick what what was your highlight and the greatest disappointment um i think in general the announcement for the iphone available worldwide is a pretty big thing for um for everyone, especially in um, New Zealand down here, because no matter how expensive the price is, it's great to have such a new piece of technology available to us, like without having to go to America and get it sent over and then get it hacked into to work over here. It's it's that's a really good thing. But um, there was one other thing in general that the media doesn't cover it, but the App Store would, it came with the iPhone 3G. It's probably one of the most innovative ways to distribute software. I mean, you've got... This um, you can just go on anytime, find your software, get it downloaded, and it's like I've seen many online stores, but there's nothing really compares to the App Store. Mm-hmm. So they've put the simplicity of uh, the iTunes Store and just kind of accept with software. So it's really good for some developers, and it's also really good for consumers. Absolutely, and and your biggest disappointment? Um, I think Apple TV being left as like a kind of pet project. I mean. Um, I've always kind of been interested in getting an Apple TV, but I've held back because it's kind of lacking certain features, like which kind of separate it from like a media center. I mean, all Apple really needs to do is add something like maybe a Blu-ray drive or an HD TV tuner, and they could, you know, they, they could really get a bigger market share in like the home media market. I'm going to jump in there, which was going to be my pick if we got on to applications. Have you had a look at Boxy? B O X E E. Um, I've heard about it. I, um, a couple of podcasts I um, listened to, they've um, been talking about it. It seems quite, um, seems quite good. Yeah, it is. I've got, I mean, I haven't got an Apple TV, but I've got it running here on the Mac just to have a play with. Uh, if you go to oh, really? boxy.tv and sign up for the alpha, um, I think they've now moved to beta status. And uh, Unfortunately, it gives you access to things that we can't see, like Hulu and all these sorts of things, but it's a great piece of software, and they provide a hack for Apple TV. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, David, uh, what was your highlight for the year and, and also the biggest disappointment? Uh, I think let, let me start with disappointment because I was going to say the same thing as Nick with regard to Apple TV. And now let me I'm going to look into that boxy. I've heard of it a few times, but I'm going to I'm going to look into that. Um, my highlight is probably the introduction of the new MacBooks and the new MacBook Pros, but not maybe necessarily for the for the hardware, but for how it was done. Um, and I think the way they've the way they orchestrated that introduction is that it wasn't just Steve Jobs on the stage, and I think that was very strategic on their on their part to show um, the world really that there were other individuals behind Apple other than just Steve Jobs. You know, given all this you know concern about his health and all that, so I thought that was actually quite strategic and cunning um, in terms of what what Apple was actually demonstrating to the world. I want to. Um read what Duck, who's a fairly regular uh, contributor to our forum, emailed through because he sent his apologies through. He said that the highlight for him was visiting the Apple stores overseas, uh, which is a good experience for everyone. He, uh, he got to visit the mothership, according to his email, so lucky him. I, I've been outside the mothership, but I've never actually been inside. 
Um, and his disappointment is one that I share, um, and I'll, I'll leave it for a moment because my highlight uh, ties in with it, and that was, of course, the availability of the iPhone in New Zealand. Um, and if you look in the blog section of nzmac.com, there are two blogs from me, postings one day after another. Uh, one is called What a Great Day, and that was the day they announced that the iPhone <laughs> was about to go on sale. And yep. the biggest disappointment uh, that Duck and I both share was the prices that came out the next day. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Yeah. I that. <laughs> so I really felt that they just completely kicked the feet out of us from for a lot of people uh, fairly soon after that. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, they worded it carefully. They said it was going to be 199 on some plans, but, you know, uh, even John Campbell at the time got stuck into them about, I think it would have cost you about $6,500 if you went onto that plan all up. <laughs> That's right. I remember that too. Gee whiz. <laughs> We've we've got Macworld just in the new year. I think it's the third to the sixth off the top of my head, or possibly around that time. Uh, and that's the time when we normally expect a few things to come out. So uh, let's do a bit of uh, crystal ball gazing. And perhaps, David, um, what do you predict for Macworld? I think we'll probably see a revision of the iMac line. Um, it might be a slight bump in terms of power, processor speed, et cetera, et cetera. But um, uh, we could also see, I guess, and everybody's been talking about this, is a revision to the Mini line, the Mac Minis. And that's terribly overdue, I guess, for some kind of an update, which would actually be good for me because I'm thinking of getting a computer for our, you know, she's not quite two, but she's 19 months old, our daughter. It's just something to bang around on. And um, that might serve it well because i could also use it as a music server so i'm i'm hoping we'll see a new uh, mac mini at Macworld. and software oh at least if if anything uh snow leopard um at the very minimum as a preview if you like or you or you think it'll be released I'm not sure. I mean, we heard about that kind of uh, someone let the cat out of the bag fairly recently during a presentation that it would be released in uh, Q1 2009. So if if anything, it would be just a preview. But then again, from what I've read about Snow Leopard, there's not much really to preview. I mean, it's a lot of it's under under the hood, isn't it? It's, you know, just tweaks and making everything just faster. So there wouldn't be much to show. So if they could ship it, um, announce it, ship it and say, right, it's ready tomorrow. Uh, I'd be happy. Yeah, they they talk about zero new features quite proudly. Um, yeah. So, so they're they're just really optimising the engine, which should be good to see as well, I suppose. Absolutely. Nick, what are your uh, predictions? Um, I think we're probably all on the same line because the exact thing I have in my head is the Mac Mini um getting quite possibly a design change or at least an upgrade in its performance and also uh, um the iMac um just getting bumped up in speed. Maybe. Um, maybe I was thinking they might release a 32 gigabyte iPhone. That might be one option, but I don't, I don't really see that happening. But that's kind of that's kind of another thing that you know might happen, might not. Software-wise, do you think we're going to see iLife 09? I'm hoping there's an iLife 09 with uh, um, an upgrade to that that wonderful, delightful iMovie. Um, <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, pretty much. I think they've. When was the? It was it Macworld last year they released the last um, iLife because it seems like it's been so long. Yes, hmm. yeah. I think, like, I think it was at least twelve months ago. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like such a long time since it's been upgraded because I think it just you go without using iMovie for so long and it feels like it's been forever. But yeah, it's hopefully they can kind of realize that they're kind of they, their new their new concept of iMovie did not work as well as they hoped and they kind of thrown a bit more timeline features something similar to that hmm. and of course Snow Leopard getting a preview or maybe a release date because Apple has lately been saying, you know, instead of just saying the product is available today, they've been saying, like, this is the product, it'll be ready in one month or it'll be out in a month or so, which is kind of good. 
to hear from. Yeah. I, I want to bring in a couple of predictions that um, they're, they're a bit left field, but, well, kind of the first one is. And one of them, the ones that popped into my head the other day is they're not really doing much with QuickTime. I mean, no. you know, we no, get, they're really not. We get updates because um, obviously they need to update it if they release an iLife um, patch or iTunes or so on. But they're not taking advantage of the amazing technologies that have actually been in it for years. I mean, you know, QuickTime VR is is a phenomenal technology. They just don't seem to promote. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and then then I started yeah. to think. I thought, well, iLife is definitely going to come along, and I think they're going to have to tie this into the iPhone because obviously one of the options they're going to want is the ability for people to somehow publish to their iPhone. And it kind of, this is me completely left field. It kind of gelled this morning, and I thought, imagine you can't just simply throw an application onto an iPhone. You can't uh, send an application to a mate and say, here, put this on. But imagine if you were able to, because uh, QuickTime is actually interactive. It can be interactive. You were able to somehow create uh, what looked like an application, but was actually a QuickTime file that you could send to people and say, you know, install this on your iPhone and you can look at all the, the movies of our wedding or our, um, right. you know, christening or yeah, something like that. Fine. Wow. I mean, I don't that's know. interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they're definitely going to tie in some sort of option to publish to the phone. But I, I then started to think, well, hold on, how would you do that in iWeb? I mean, one of the, the obvious things is they may not, but with an iWeb, they'll they'll bring in, um, what do you call it, browser sniffing, so that they will have some iPhone-based templates for your websites. Oh, mm. right. Yeah, so that you, yeah, you, you go to dot .Mac, and if it senses, oh, okay, you're on an iPhone or an iPod Touch, it will change to this other template. So oh, I guess, that's I guess, interesting. I guess some tweaks. And, and, and the, the, the QuickTime one, is, I mean, I, I don't think it would happen, but it, it just doesn't seem to be an application that has been promoted as a technology for so long now. You're starting to notice that QuickTime is um, actually kind of morphing its way into the um, operating system. It's not just becoming a separate application anymore, like you're seeing with QuickView, and just um, it's just getting so well incorporated that you're. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's they just kind of disintegrated after a long time. It just kind of becomes like a plugin where it's just like you don't see it. It's like all behind it, behind the right. system. Right. Just which would that. Which would be sad because it is quite a good. It's a really good application, but it just seems like they're trying. They're almost hiding it now. The way that they're using QuickTime. Yeah, and I guess that's what I was thinking. They either have one or two choices: promote it and do a bit more with it, or, as you say, simply merge it into the the, the operating system and all these mm. sorts of things. Of course, the issue there is, you know, in the days that Microsoft blended uh, Internet Explorer into the uh, operating system, you could be oh, accused of yeah. uh, getting into mm. a bit of trouble there. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that are our predictions for January, and we'll probably all be proven wrong uh, uh, sometime in the first couple of weeks of the new year. <laughs> but, um, I wonder if we'll actually see another uh, an upgrade to, uh, well, iWork09. I'm hoping we see that anyway. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I use Keynote, uh, well, on a weekly basis because I, I teach. And um, one of the glitches that people, thankfully, I haven't experienced this too much, um, at least not in, a, in front of a lecture theater. But one of the glitches that people talk about with the Keynote 08 is that when you push play on your, uh, on your, on your presentation, it actually reboots your whole machine. And that's a bit of an issue. There's a fairly long and, and very old, but you know, 
almost always being updated thread in the Apple discussion forum about this. And I've been able to do it here at home, but thankfully, as I say, it's never worked or it's never happened in a lecture theater. So I'm hoping that Keynote 09 fixes that because it's always a bit of trepidation that you go to you know, hit play on your presentation just before you give a lecture <laughs> wondering whether or not it's going to work or not. So. <laughs> I know at Massey when I'm developing a presentation that I might have to share with people, I, I do all the development work for the presentation in PowerPoint, um, particularly if I need to share the file. And then just at the very last minute, if I know that it's me that's going to be doing the presentation, I uh, import it into Keynote simply because it can look so much better and it, mm, yeah, <laughs> it has all the nice I, effects. You know, everyone sits there going, ooh, what was that? You know. Oh, yeah. I think, I think for people who uh, run on PCs, if they're – I think that's um, one of Keynote is Apple's best kept secret. I mean, if you're running on PowerPoint, like I was, I think it was last year, I think the last time I used Keynote was a um, school project where I basically had to improvise an entire speech off the top of my head. And I just, I just made something in quick note and I did not, uh, quick note, Keynote. And um, it did not matter how bad my speech was. The fact was that everyone else around me was using PowerPoint to develop their um, presentations behind them. And I had all these flashy, uh, like amazingly good looking things flying around the screen on the projector. And they were so busy looking at that. They didn't, they didn't even care what I was saying. So it, it is. Def- I think for um, PC users, it is Apple's best kept secret. I mean, you really have to get over onto a Mac to truly get how great it is. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I, when I show people, it's, they're blown away. And I noticed somebody in the forum on nzmac.com posted the, a comment suggesting that maybe if there is an iWork update, it, it will get closer to being Office-like, and that maybe we can finally do without Microsoft Office or Open Office and things. Mm, that nice. would be pretty ideal. Yeah, um, mm. Nick. Um, what website or application are you using at the moment that uh, you've uh, come across recently and quite enjoy? Uh, let's see. I'll just pull up my phone. I haven't actually looked into it. Um, one that I use, I think I have a lot of, I have quite a few games and stuff on here that I use all the time, which are kind of fun. But it's like it's really the apps that really you use on a day to day basis, which you just come to rely on, which is the most important. And I've got to say, um, they make a really really good Facebook app. Like the Facebook application. Facebook developed is just so slick and well made and also there's a one by Tapulus, it's a free app, it's called um, Twinkle, if um, any of you are like me, I use Twitter a lot so I tend to Twitter everything and the, it's just a really bright, colourful, fun way to um, you know send out your tweets and when you um, it finds people nearby you, I've actually made quite a few friends in the Christchurch area from other people who have iPhones and are using um, Twinkle and they you know we've just kind of been a nearby tweet so we kind of have you know befriended each other which is quite interesting. So, so it does some. It can tell where you are in the world, does it? Yeah, it uses the uh, built-in GPS in the iPhone 3G to locate uh, where you are, and then you can say, um, "Show me the latest tweets from people who are in, I don't know, like say for, um, the three-kilometer range or a thousand thousand miles or somewhere in that um, area," and you can pick it. And you know, you meet quite a few um, interesting people by that. It's really cool, but also really scary, isn't it? Oh, that, yeah, it's it's terrifying. Like, I'm, I'm quite afraid that someone's going to be able to locate me one day when I'm walking home from somewhere at night, and it's kind of creepy. But, yeah, it is actually – it's it can either it can go either way. It is quite amazing, but it is also terrifying. You're going to get this tweet one day that says, look behind you or something like that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> at, at Nick McCabe, turn around, I'm right there, and I'll be like, oh, great. <laughs> It's a, but, but a, a I, great script for a horror movie there, actually. But but uh, since Apple hasn't brought out their push notification yet, I won't notice for about five or so minutes because it doesn't come up on my home screen that it's actually happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Ah. Yeah. David, <laughs> David, what application or websites caught your eye recently? 
Well, it's one that I think it was just released within the last 24 hours, actually, and it's an update to LaunchBar, um, which is uh, an application launcher in its in its primary form, but it does all kinds of other things as well. And it's now in uh, version five is now in beta, and um, you can't purchase it just yet, but you can download a beta version. Which, and I'm looking at the website here, it expires on the 15th of January. And it's by a company called Objective Development, so it's www obdev obdev dot at and that gets you to they, they're the ones that do um, little snitch if mm-hmm. anyone's familiar with that oh, yeah, so yeah. and I I've been using LaunchBar for about almost a year now before that I used Quicksilver and I I just I love LaunchBar it's very stable it hasn't crashed on me and uh, yeah so version five just in beta and I haven't had a chance I'm sorry to kind of look at what the new features are unfortunately but I've installed it and uh, it's running. Yeah, I use um, Drag Thing, which is a similar sort of product, and I, I couldn't live without it, to be honest. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, the application that I wanted to mention, I'm going to mention two. One very quickly, it's called Pano, because there's an update that came out for the iPhone uh, as of today, and I, I they gave me uh, a pre-release version to play around with. So if you go to nziphone.com, you'll see a bit of a uh, story that I posted earlier today. But the other one that I wanted to mention, because it ties into the Mac and also the iPhone, is Net Newswire, which is a fantastic RSS reader. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to admit, I was never really into RSS feeds because I was forever getting confused about what I had read and hadn't read. And the nice thing about this application is every time you close it, it synchronizes to their uh, servers so that when I get to work and open it there, it says, well, okay, these were the RSS feeds that you subscribe to and these are the articles that you're still to read. Uh, And there's also an iPhone version of that now so that you can be anywhere and get through some of that reading so that when you then close that, again, it synchronizes and uh, you come back to your Macintosh and it's up with the play in terms of what you've read and haven't read. Great oh, wow, pick. I use NetNewsWire every day, several times a day, sometimes for hours, literally, because yeah. um, it is just brilliant for RSS. Yeah. That's a great pick. Yeah, I've I've actually for a long time I've been using Mail for mine, but I've just I'm starting to get a bit fed up with it. I mean, I'll read something and then all of a sudden I'll say it's been unread again. It's really hard to manage your things. So I'm actually thinking about upgrading, but this might sounds like it's going to be the perfect way to upgrade. So I'm quite looking forward to this actually now. <laughs> it, it is good. It used to it used to have to pay for it. Now it's free, and I actually I bought yeah. it last year. So yeah. David, do you synchronize with it? No, um, I don't. Well, actually, yes, I do. I synchronize on NewsGator, but I only use it um, on this this MacBook Pro. I don't use it on any other machine or device. Okay, because I think they do have a Windows client as well. And the other thing I should mention to people listening, you're right, it is free. And I used to synchronize to my .Mac account, and ah. it forever crashed or wouldn't work. And, and I was a bit reticent to sync to their own servers, but it's been the best thing I ever did. One, because it's quicker, and two, because it was far more accurate than .Mac Mac syncing ever was. Yeah. So, so I'm about my .Mac account's about to expire. I think in about twenty days, and I've I've decided I'm I'm not renewing because I don't really need it for anything anymore. Ah, that let's talk about that in a minute because I mine actually just renewed today. But um, yeah, there is a Windows client. I used to use it. It's called Feed Demon. And in fact, one of the decisions that, that put me over the top in terms of moving back into Mac was the fact that NewsGator. Uh, which is the f- company that manufactures Feed Demon. Uh, they actually, the Net Newswire, they're, they're responsible for that as well. So I thought, well, I'll be covered and I'll be able to bring all the extensive feeds that I have. Um, so, yeah, that's perfect. Now, Dot Mac, Phil, you, when is yours due? In a um, couple of weeks? In about 20 days, I think. And I've already yeah. logged in and made sure that it won't renew. 
Really? Because yeah. mine, I got an email a couple of weeks ago saying on December 7th, literally without a word of a lie, you're going to be, your MasterCard is going to be charged, whatever it is, $120 uh, for .Mac. And I've gotten used to it because I use it uh, to post family or, f- or photos of our daughter for our family. So yeah, now I'm, I'm stuck into it. I, I used it for two main reasons, one of which was to store all the podcast files in, in case the podcast suddenly got incredibly popular. Um, and I've now moved that to a site where I found for £10, it's a UK site, you get um, your media files hosted for life. Ah. Um, and the other reason I used it um, was for the syncing ability, but also because I'm, I was actually a really big fan of the Apple backup utility. Because I, I don't want to back up to a, um, a a server somewhere, you know, in the States for a company that I know nothing about. And what I do is um, I back up to DVD once a month. But a, a lot of people I know who back up, back up to DVD and then, of course, have them sitting right next to their computer. So if <laughs> if you're a burglar and you rush in and steal a computer, you're probably going to steal the DVDs <laughs> sitting right there next to it. <laughs> So what yeah. I do is I take those DVDs to work and then I bring another set that's um, two months old at that point home and they sit here waiting for the next month. And I've had so many problems with backup, um, particularly with iPhoto, that I just said, right, that's it. And at the moment I'm using Toast, which is a product that I've always used for backup. And it, it just got to the point where I thought, well, I'm not using the mail. I'm not hosting web on .Mac. I just don't need it anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I guarantee, I, I guarantee it, Sod's Law, that at Macworld, they'll come out with an amazing, um, you know, improvement to .Mac that will make me turn around and say, okay, I think I have to renew my account now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I think, oh, that's, um, that's good. Backup-wise, I think, um, personally, I've I've moved over. I, tr- I started trying out. To, I wanted to give Time Machine a go, and I did. I gave it a go, and I thought, wow, I actually really like this. It's probably the fastest way I've ever backed up a, um, used a backup because the fact that you can just – you know, like click the button, go back, pull that file out, you're good, you're fine, and it's there. I've never found anything so simple. I actually really like that. I was yeah. wondering, do you ever use this? Um, no, I've got a client that who I help with a Mac, and, and that she uses Time Machine, and it's just great. Um, I think I would probably, if I did go for that, buy Time Capsule and just hide that somewhere in the house. Yeah, um, yeah. Because that's a good way to do it. But, I mean, I may be being a bit too precious about, you know, people stealing things. I just worry that if they came in and took everything – then, then that's a backup gone completely. Well, I think I yeah, think exactly. I don't I don't think you're being precious at all. I think Phil, I think that's actually a very very good point. Um, I use I use SuperDuper, um, and I've got I've got three external drives. I've got one here that's a 750 gig that's got three partitions on it. One is a nightly mirror that is done in SuperDuper. The other partition is a time machine partition, and then the third partition is a weekly mirror made from super duper and that means that if during the week uh i'm kind of messing around on the computer and something screws up so bad that uh even going back a couple of days isn't going to help i can go back to you know to the weekend when that last mirror was done the other the other two hard drives one is a a, a portable lacie rugged drive and the other is uh one that sits in my office at the university so i every every morning when i get in i i do a quick mirror using super duper an incremental backup uh, I think it calls it a smart update, and it takes about 15 minutes while I'm getting coffee, and it's done. And that way, that offsite backup negates anything. If you know, if a burglar did come in, heaven forbid, you know, removed all the drives in the in the computer, well, then I'd still have I'd still have 
on my files. Yeah, I just wish yeah, Super yeah. Duper backed up to CD or DVD. They don't offer that as a feature, unfortunately. Now, mm. tell me about that because a lot of people are saying – I've read something online that um, – the the falling price per gigabyte, let alone we used to measure it per megabyte, but the falling price per gigabyte of hard drives means more and more people, or sorry, fewer and fewer people are backing up to DVD and CD. But you seem to you you've got that as your primary backup. Tell me about that. Uh, well, I mean, I've been doing that for probably three or four years at least. Um, I used to house the uh, DVDs at the folks' house, so I could just go around and see them and say hi and, and drop the discs off. But they right. were f- forever ringing me and saying, "I found these DVDs with your name on." <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Um, but um, it, it's interesting because, I mean, if I had my wish, probably the thing I'd go for is what's called a Drobo. I don't know if you've seen those at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know about those. those. Are, yeah. are they available in New Zealand, Nick? Do you know? Uh, I don't think they are. I think they're only available in the States at the moment. Yeah. The, the other thing I saw um, just in a, 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 you know, a flyer that was included in the Dominion the other day was a, I think it was a USB stand that you plug in and you just took your old hard drives and sort of clipped them into it. Uh, what do you call them? A SATA drive, I think is what you call Hi. them. So it, you didn't need to go out and get an external casing and you could just plug one in a bit like a, um, a dock and um, do your backup and then pull that off and put another one on. But wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm getting sick of the DVDs, to be honest, and I do want a, 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 an alternative, but I, I also don't want to be carrying drives around with me. And I, I've just realized, actually, I bought a flash USB drive uh, yesterday for of eight gigs. So, I mean, that is almost enough for my backup. So I could possibly start using that. How much yeah, did that yeah. cost? How much did the eight gig cost? Um, it was a Dick Smith one, and it was about sixty dollars. And I really, really <laughs> regret buying it now, actually, because it's not a very nice sort of style. Um, I may, oh. may go back to my four gig one for a while. I remember when I first got to New Zealand in July of two thousand one from from Canada. I went a couple of months later and bought. This is when USB drives were just just coming out. I I paid four hundred dollars for a two hundred and fifty six megabyte drive, and oh. I thought. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Yeah, I think I think I got my first one in two thousand three. I actually won it in um, Mac Guide. I entered a competition. I won a two hundred and fifty six uh, Sandisk, and it cost what? Well, uh, yeah, the value was like three hundred dollars or something ridiculous. And I was like, this is this is amazing to have this product. And then um, I see people walking around with like four gigs, and you know, just paying like less than thirty dollars for one. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I. I'm quite glad I did not pay for that back then. <laughs> It's unbelievable. Okay, well, here's a fairly odd prediction, but, I mean, my ideal backup machine would be time capsule with a removable hard drive. Oh, that would ah, be good. That'd be good, actually. Yeah, so you that could just be- have that in the house and just slip out the drive when you wanted to take it away somewhere else and pop in another. Offsite into yeah. a safety deposit box or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the reason I picked that up is, one, my Mac did get stolen at Massey University, and, and two, that I know that's exactly what the central IT people do. They they do a backup, and that gets taken to an offsite location so that, you know, if the, God forbid, if central IT were to burn down, we've still got a backup of everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm being on a laptop. I am probably the worst person at keeping a consistent backup. Like the only re- um I've actually started doing it keeping it consistent. Um my Western Digital MyBook plugs in all the time just because there was um in my apartment building there was a burglary about a couple of days ago someone came in and took someone's laptop and a couple of um LCD TVs and that was the building right across from me and it scared the, that's scared the crap out of me. So I've just um I've been backing up all the time and you know putting my keeping my hard drive out of view but it's like it is honestly our lives are on these laptops and as soon as we just leave it there for five minutes someone picks it up we've lost everything like most of your stuff is gone 
it's yeah. yeah like as for photo wise i try to um i've got two iphoto libraries one with older photos and one with newer ones i'm probably going to split it up again at the end of this year and just do it yearly but it's like i want to keep separate libraries just so that i can um you know, just in case I have that copy that isn't on my laptop because, yeah, I'm actually starting to get, gain a lot of photos on my like – I'm getting close to 10,000 now, which is crazy because I haven't had a digital camera that long, but it's like I don't want to lose all these things, all these memories. Oh. The other piece of software I, I've started using a lot is 1Password, which is just a fantastic piece of software um, if you want ah. to have really complex uh, passwords for all the websites because I used to use a really generic one. Um, and it will generate a password for you, but you only have to remember one complex one every time you start the program up. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, and it's, it's that's just, interesting because yeah. uh, I, I I remember looking at I've looked at one password a few times. I've never installed it. I've always gone to the website and I've always thought everybody raves about it, and maybe I should give it a try. But I keep coming back to the fact that um, I usually use three or four passwords, one of which is a, a, a fairly long one that's, you know, for high-level security stuff like the bank, <laughs> you know, those <laughs> kinds of sites. But then I've got one or two low-level security passwords uh, or fairly simple ones so that if, for example, someone actually figured out what it was, you know, the, the worst they could do is post as me on nzmac.com, for example, or Mac Rumors. You know, big deal, really, I mean, at the end of the day. So I've always wondered why have different passwords for all of these websites when if you just had four or five passwords and then just break up the websites that you visit based on how much would you be willing to give up and lose if, for example, that password was compromised. That's, that's the way I've approached it. But maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. Well, originally for me it started because a couple of people that were helping me with the NZ Mac site, they wanted um, access to that, that de developed components that I'd purchased. And they said, well, you know, give us your password and we'll log in and, and have a look. And I won't do that. If, if a developer comes to me and says, I want to look at the back engine of, of those sites, I refuse, even if it means that they were going to solve a problem because they could get in and um, so, uh, see everybody's email addresses. Now, you know, I, I don't think they'd go off and do anything nasty, but I wanted to bring in s sort of different levels. And so I wanted to bring in a test account that had a fairly difficult to um, figure out password, but at the same time, it could be one that I could give to a de developer without giving him mm. certain access. So I was just bringing in all these different layers. And then uh, by pure coincidence, one of the passwords that I've used for years, I was back uh, talking to a, a person I used to teach with and he said all oh, the password for this computer at school is such and such and I just looked at him I said that's my password <laughs> <laughs> and I'd forgotten that I'd been passing this password around so much that it had become the default for the whole school so I just said to him look you've got to change that as well and then I remembered the reason I came up with this password was because I was working on a university computer as a student where that was the password so I, I just decided, right, it's it's time for a change. Um, the other thing I will say about it is it's got a re it's got a free application for the iPhone now, so you can synchronise your passwords to the iPhone. Now, why would you do that? Well, um, basically, so that if you're out and about away from your computer and you can't remember all these passwords, it's very secure. It'll take you through a PIN number login. And then your really complex password, and then it will tell you the password for it, for whatever site you want. And it's even got a nice little wee feature on the iPhone. You can just say, right, log in for me. So it will. It's. I don't use this on the Mac, but it's actually got, a, if you like, a scripting feature. So it will go through the entire login process for you if you want. 
So when I've got servers that I've got to worry about at the university, servers obviously for NZ Mac and NZ iPhone, client passwords that I need to remember, and I've got a brain like a sieve, then I, I needed one uh, one password, and it's just been brilliant. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, yeah, thoroughly recommend it. I have no idea how much it costs. Off the top of my head, I think about 40 US dollars, but they had a bit of a special recently as well. I think the developers, of course, this is the best thing about it, the developers are Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I actually thought you were going to say the other thing they say about it, and this is quite cool, they say um, the licensing agreement, usually when you buy a piece of software, is I can put it on one machine. Their attitude is put it on every machine that you're using it on. Wow. So in other mm. words, they know that you're going to be at another computer and want to know your passwords. Um, now, I think they also have an option to synchronize to a server. I don't do that. I think that's too much of a security risk. Um, so I just tend to do an export of all the passwords now and then take them to work and uh, import them into the, the application there. Mm. Do you use it, Nick? Um, no, I don't use 1Password. I'm actually terrible with my passwords. Um, I have maybe three or four just because I've got – I have hundreds of accounts online everywhere, and I just – I will just make a password and just go with it, but it's usually the same one. They're like I've changed my password and since I've been using computers maybe four times at the most just because someone's figured it out or I've noticed something's changed on my site or I've noticed – like, I've, of course, for things like internet banking, I have a completely different password and yeah. things like my own personal blog and my servers and stuff I do use. Um, I do have a more complex password and also if someone kind of makes them for me, um, I have a guy in the States who does all my servers and stuff for me. But as for things like Facebook, Bebo, you know, all those kind of social networking things, I'm terrible with my passwords. And it's, uh, and it's really, it is a matter of like, it's too late to fix it when someone figures it out and gets in there. And like, even things like, I, I did something really stupid. I was entering a password on um, my, my Wii. I, I, I just got that last week and I was, it said put in a password. So I was like, all right, I'm putting it in the password. And then I realized that the letters are coming up on the screen. And I don't realize until I've finished, but I've got a room of three people in the room with me. And I'm like... I just entered my password for so many sites on the internet for Facebook. They could just log in and write anything about me right now, and I, I and I just didn't even think about it. <laughs> so it's just I am I am I'm horrible with passwords. I'm a very I, I just don't think about security. It just goes right over my head. <laughs> what what about when your laptop starts up, Nick? Do you have to log in? Oh, this is this is the real this is the real great one. I'm gonna tell everyone this. You log in, you push the enter button, it logs me in. That's my password. <laughs> You're kidding. I just, I felt like I, that's, that's bad, isn't it? I, I, the, and the reason, do you know why I changed it from my original password? Because I felt like it was such an effort to type a password in when I logged in. And, and I still wanted to trick people. So when I open up from sleep and ask for a password, but my, everyone, everyone in my building, everyone at school knows if you want to go into Nick's computer, just push enter. <laughs> and every, everyone on this podcast, you can find Nick's Yeah, everyone knows now. So if, if you see me, if you see me getting coffee or something with my laptop open, just push enter. You know, you'll be able to access my system admin. <laughs> It's handy to know, actually. <laughs> it's the one thing I often say to people with a laptop because I say, oh, I'm very secure with my password. And I say, well, could you just restart and show me what happens? And the number of people that don't have a login activated, it just goes straight to the desktop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm waiting for a PGP desktop for Mac to actually be compatible with SuperDuper because it's not yet. But version 9 for the Mac apparently um, is pretty pretty um, transparent in terms of overhead. It doesn't, doesn't 
contribute a lot of overhead to the machine. And I'm waiting for it to be compatible with SuperDuper. And apparently the developer of SuperDuper um, is working on and the next version will be compatible with it. And that'll be fantastic because there is on my laptop, there is some sensitive information, I'll be honest. So I need to be very careful with that. And usually I just keep it in a, an encrypted disk image and that solves it. But uh, I'm waiting for PGP Desktop Mac for nine. Mm, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point because of the work that you do and, and the, the work at my university. I know any sort of research we do with people, even if it's anonymous surveys and things, we're yeah. required to, to encrypt the information. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's exactly right. Okay, um, well, it's been great chatting to you both, and I, th- I thought we might wrap things up now and uh, give you a chance to uh, send any wishes out to the nzmac.com crowd, and also perhaps uh, if you do have a website that you want to plug of your own, uh, I might hand over to Nick, first of all, if you've got a comment to make. Okay, uh, well, everyone who's listening, I hope you have a good, safe Christmas, you know, drive safe, everything like that. Um, also, my website is www.accordingtonick.com. That's uh, my personal blog. And if you want to subscribe to me on Twitter, it's www.twitter.com slash Nick McCabe. So that's it. <laughs> and you're also on Justin TV as well, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I was doing quite a lot of it, but I realized it was taking up a lot of my bandwidth. Um, when I head home, I'm probably going to be doing a lot more. I'm waiting for more of a mobile application to be doing my live streaming, but I do I do enjoy live streaming. It's a really good way to meet um, meet a lot of people who subscribe to my blog and subscribe to my Twitter. Great. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, have a chat to Jane and tell her that we do want a uh, reunion podcast at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think she's down in um, South America at the moment. Actually, she's gone over for the Christmas holidays for some trip. I can't. Um, she said. So she she said she's enjoying that, but she's missing um, having access to the internet twenty four seven. Well, lucky her though. Okay. Uh, Dave, yeah, yeah. You got any uh, comments you'd like to send out to everyone? Uh, just well, happy holidays to everybody. I guess listening and on the, on the forum, um, and uh, no no real website to kind of plug per se. Most of the websites that I kind of manage are like academic websites anyway, so there probably wouldn't be of interest to airline economics. Doesn't really have a huge, uh, broad appeal to a lot of people. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, happy holidays to everybody, and hopefully chat soon. Okay, thanks very much. I'd also like to pass best wishes on to everyone who uses nzmac.com and uh, keep using it. Um, I will perhaps mention now, because I hope to get this podcast up by the end of the day, that um, on New Year's Eve the site will shut down briefly while I bring in a new feature that I don't really want to um, mention much about. I will say that it's going to, I hope, expand the community and get you using the site a bit more. It's probably one of the uh, biggest changes to the site that I've brought in for some time. So um, I'm working furiously on that at the moment. So um, I can't promise because last time I said I was launching something on January 1st, I had people online at midnight emailing me saying, where is it? I can't see it. So... (laughs) It will go live on New Year's Day, but depending what I'm doing on New Year's Eve, it may not be straight away. So it could be somewhere within that 24-hour period on New Year's Day. So keep an eye out for that. Thanks very much to Nick and David, and all the best to everyone for the new year. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest presenter and do not necessarily represent those of NZMAC.com. 